Okay, perfect. Well, hello, everybody, and thank you for being here today. Um, this time of year often puts a big pressure on us, kind of personally and professionally. So my hope for today is just to create an informal, intimate kind of conversational time for us to just connect and um, share some ideas and thoughts on navigating different types of adversity and also just remind us that we're all never alone. Um, so I have some awesome speakers that I've invited to just kind of popcorn chat a little bit about some things that maybe they've navigated. And we've kind of covered like personal health, professional, the whole gamut. So I hope that something resonates with you guys. Um, and then again, feel free to raise a hand or jump in whether or not you were on the actual conversational part of the panel. I would love to hear from anyone if you've got things that you want to share or if something particularly resonates. And then also feel free to drop some comments in the comment box below. Um, so we're gonna start and just get a little bit of an intro from the people that are speaking. So I'll just kind of introduce each one and then we'll have them share um, the biggest adversity or challenge that they've faced maybe in the last year or um, if it goes beyond that and it's just something that they've you know been kind of struggling with or dealing with and then we'll get into some actual questions so jack if you want to start us off and share a little bit of your story that'd be great well first of all i don't know how i got put in this all-star group of people here <laughs> but thank you very much um yeah so i get to start out huh um yeah, I would say 2022 has been a little bit of adversary, uh, you know, a few challenges. Um, had some personal challenges early in the spring, um, working towards true footage, um, trying to build, and I had my office manager just walk out on me. That was fun, but that was nothing compared to uh, September 28th of uh, this year. So um, I was one of the people that was caught in the hurricane. Um, my wife and I made a dash out of it, you know, within a few feet of water, uh, got to the second floor. Uh, first couple of days were adrenaline, you know, next day, okay, we, you know, walking around helping people. Third day, getting out of there, finding a nice dry place to just kind of settle. The fourth day, man, our condo's ruined. Our friends are dispersed, the beach we love. Our, every, everything we knew was just, you know, within within just a few hours, literally, you know, investment properties, lost value, every, everything you can imagine. But I, I'll go back to my New Year's resolution and I failed on it almost every day. But my New Year's resolution was to be the most positive guy in the room. And I fail on that every day, but a lot of times I am. And after I had a, a little bit of a meltdown, right? I remember driving back to uh, Fort Myers and on the phone with John, it's like day four and I'm going back to bring some supplies back to. And I told him, I so here I'm a 59 year old guy talking to a 29 year old guy and I started crying. I said, listen, taking care of my wife and my family, my community and the company third, if you're good with that. And he said, go. And from that point on, I've had laser focused. I've just looked ahead and um just remembered to appreciate the people that i care about um got a great wife got a great uh, family <clears throat> um working towards my community get a build it back and a great support system so probably took too much time i apologize tried to condense it but the biggest thing is just for me is just looking forward you know just looking forward and um appreciating the people around you that that's that would be my message so 
Wonderful. Well, well, we'll come back to you and I'd love to hear some things that have helped um, with that resilience and positivity. Um, Pat, would you like to jump in and share a little bit of your story? Sure. Uh, last year, uh, about this time, I sold my business to True Footage and was raring to go. And then in February, um, whoo, um, sorry. No, don't, don't. I don't talk about it very often. So um, I got diagnosed with cancer. And six months of struggle so um and i mean again with what jack has said positive was everything that um i'm lucky i have this support system around me but it was um it was trying it really was um i don't know i I'm sure I can answer some questions when they get more specific. I didn't expect to get emotional about this because I've talked about it so much. But I mean, I'm in remission. And so um, I, I'm very happy for all the care that I got through the doctors here and all of the other things. And that it's, um, it's, it is really, it's like what Jack said, it is the little things. It is um, just getting up every morning and being positive and no matter what the outcome and not feeling sorry for yourself. And I mean, I wouldn't say you pull up yourself up by your bootstraps. I, I don't mean it like that, but it's trying to find things that, that you can have gratitude about. And it could be the smallest things from just being able to hold food down to, um, being able to walk 10 steps or whatever it is. Absolutely. Well, thank you for sharing that. And I hope that this becomes kind of a positive and also healing space for everyone. I know that it can feel confronting to kind of share some of the things that you struggle with, but it's, it's such an ability to connect. And I think that we often go through this hustle and bustle of the day and we're just trying to check things off our list and to be able to pause and actually have this moment of connection and be able to share some of our stories, but also feel the support of our team members, I think just goes such a, a long way. So thank you, Pat, for sharing. Um, Shawnee, do you want to jump in? Patrick, I just want to say congratulations on remission. That is a huge step in cancer. And I want to say congratulations to you. Absolutely. Yes. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's uh, the stress. I mean, the stress relief is enormous, but especially for the people that care about you. It's, I think when you're in these situations, it's, you're not even caring about yourself. It's, you just don't want the people around you to feel pain. I think that was the hardest part. Um, sorry, I'm, I'm going to do my best. My voice is not the strongest so i'm going to try to talk as loud as possible without um um coughing basically it's it's been my challenge for the last few years but the most recent challenge um is uh my wife and i have been doing foster care off and on for 10 years um in other states 
Um, we moved to Idaho and my son, who is 14 years old now, um, he somehow finds the underdog and he brings them to our house. And so our little house is always very full with usually teenage boys. Um, they come here to get um, food and just, it's weird. We have some of the, we've, we've, we've been met with some of the strangest situation that these kids have, have that I've ever heard. Um, but they know that our house is a safe place. And um, so we never know from time to time how many kids we're going to have in our house. That being said, we decided why not do foster care again? So we got certified for the state of Idaho. And um, we, shortly after we got certified, we um, brought a sibling group into our home, one of which included a three-month-old baby. Um, and after 14 years, it's all brand new with what to do with an infant. It's the sleepless nights and everything else. So we've been learning to cope with that. And the fine line of you want to give them all the love and attention and spoil them, but you don't know if how long you're going to have them. Um, so there's a, there's a very fine line with foster care on what you can and cannot do. And in the end, the state will decide the fate for all of you. So that is what we're, um, that's what's on our plate now. Thank you for sharing, Shawnee. And we had some good news. I remember in another meeting, was the, the adoption finalized for the baby? We'll know more on Monday, okay. um, but we're working our butts off to get that approved because especially at this point, I couldn't imagine her going anywhere else. Yeah. She's she's a big part of our family now. Absolutely. Well, we are all rooting for you and hoping for Thank really you. good news. Um, all right, Lisa, do you want to hop in? Sure, I'd love to. I'm trying to get a hold of my emotions. <laughs> I'm kind of like Jack. I don't know uh, how I wound up in here in such an amazing group of people. Um, before I share about me, um, I just applaud you all who have already shared. And Patrick, for what it's worth, <clears throat> part of... Sorry. I'm the resident crybaby, first of all. Wow. I cry about everything. Um, but part of my challenge... And Mikhail knows about this. God, please. My best friend. Dad gummit. <laughs> Since age 14. So a long time, y'all. Because <laughs> I'm pretty old. But um, she has beat cancer three times. I sat with her through so much when we were 14 years old. So I applaud you. I'm so grateful to hear that you're in remission. Um, she is not doing well now, so that's part of a challenge that I'm kind of walking through right now with her. And um, but God is good. God is good. And um, Shawnee, I'm just blown away by your story. Thank you for sharing that because you just—I'm sure you know—but what you're doing for these children and giving them hope. There's. That's so priceless what you're giving those kids. Um, so, yeah, part of, uh, you know, we, we all 
kind of walk through challenges in life. You know, we're going to get to talking about resilience in just a little while, and res resilience doesn't exclude us from these life's challenges. But coming together and being able to lift each other up and build each other up is so incredibly rewarding. So I appreciate the opportunity to be in here with all of you. Thank you so much, Lisa. You are constantly such a shining light and we appreciate you so much. Um, and, and kind of to that point too, Pat, I know you'd mentioned that you don't want to watch the people that you love hurt maybe because you're hurting. But I think one of the greatest honors that we have is being able to just sit with somebody in their pain. And it's, it's uncomfortable sometimes, but for me, like in the moments that I've needed someone, it's not anything in particular that even needs to be done. It's just the willingness for someone to say, like, I'll just hurt with you. Um, so I think that sometimes we have to reframe that we are not a burden. It's a blessing to have people in our lives that, you know, sit with us in that. So um, Jake, I'd love to hear from you. Jake, are you there? I'd be frozen. Okay, we will jump to Lori then. Um, hi, I, uh, Lori Van de Wettering. I'm in Chicago. Um, I was asked to be on this because I'm another, I also was diagnosed with cancer. I had breast cancer last year, um, August uh, 2021. Um, I, I was, was and am very fortunate in that my uh all the the data with my situation was very clear and my um path was very clear so i was able and and everything was very early and not aggressive so i would my my treatment was all surgical last year i didn't have to have chemotherapy and i'm thankful for that i didn't have to have radiation um i do have like drugs that I have to take, but they're not chemotherapy drugs. Um, but so um, I guess what I just wanted to say was that I had an amazing family and amazing friends. Uh, Paul Rowe was my supervisor. And when I told him, he, I actually think I told him like on the same day that he signed on with John to be part of True Footage, it was like, hey, I have cancer. Hey, I sold my company, you know, but um, he just basically said, do what you need to do. Let me know how I can help you, you know, what I can do for you. And that, of course, was was a great thing because I was able to do what I needed to do, take the time I needed to. Um, my family was great. Um, I guess another thing, uh, you know, Lisa, you talk about your friend. I actually had a really close friend um, who passed away last September from breast cancer, um, on the day that I had my second opinion, uh, appointment. And I think that, like, I remember when she was first diagnosed and then I remember five years later when she thought she was five years cancer free. And then she found out that she was stage four and she only really had two horrible years after that, you know? So, um, I think that a lot of what gives me strength and what put, helps me get through is I was able to hear that I had cancer, but then also after the the first words, you have cancer, which basically changes your life, right? But then I had these words, like everything after that was like, well, this is good news and this is good news and this is good news and this is good news. And so instead of 
going to that like um, that place of worry and fear like i don't know when this could come back instead i get to be optimistic about my future and and i always try to think of my friend and i say well okay if i have five years five good years until this comes back or something else if i only have five good years how do i want to spend it you know and so that's kind of what i think i try to do it in her honor and um just do you know so that's what kind of keeps me positive and optimistic going forward wonderful thank you so much for sharing uh jake do we have you back to jump in <laughs> you do and i was like what a horrible timing everyone's gonna think he just can't handle all of this and just <laughs> left the meeting but no that's that's not it at all um i think that really over the past year um my biggest uh my biggest hurdle in adversity has been mine but it hasn't been mine at the same time and so it's really hard to sit on the sidelines um my husband was diagnosed with both adhd and bipolar and it really um you know sometimes with someone who has both of those combined they can be the most amazing person they can be they, they can they can literally be spontaneous and they can be fun and they can pull someone who for those of you who know me, I'm pretty structured and I'm pretty regimented. And so it pulls me out of that, but then it stops and it will go from 60 to zero in no time at all. You can't get them out of bed. You can't get them to, to even crack a smile. And for someone like me, who is always joking around and I'm always very outgoing to have someone who you cannot pull out of that for anything, it create such a um you can want something for someone so badly but if it doesn't happen it's not going to happen so it really really took so much power out of my hands as far as just just day-to-day -day living uh -oh. lose him again yeah, I think we might have lost him again. We'll see if he's able to rejoin. Um, lastly, Julie, do you want to hop in? I know you and I have had a chance to share a little bit about some kind of professional struggles and things that we've dealt with um, simultaneously. So if you want to hop in and share a bit, I'd love to hear. Yeah, sure. So um, first, thank you all for sharing. For me, just listening, I think that's, that's kind of part of the medicine is getting to hear that you're not alone and that when someone else shares their struggles it sort of helps you put your own into perspective and just that feeling of it, it's not even a matter of somebody else has it harder than me it's just we're all struggling and we're struggling together and that that i think the the sense of being alone and especially when you're in a remote first culture that's very very um that's huge that's an easy trap to fall into is whatever i'm struggling with i'm struggling with it alone but just hearing everybody's stories and knowing that we're not is just really um amazing for me um i don't have anything that's particularly um grave that's happened in the past year necessarily um as mccall mentioned we've kind of shared a little bit about our personal struggles professionally with this sense of um, I think for me, it's rooted in a sense of, first of all, perfectionism. And then also, um, unfortunately, I think I've, I've given it some thought. I think I fall in my father's footsteps of finding a lot of my self-worth 
in my work. And the unfortunate side of that is that I think um, we unnecessarily put a lot of pressure on ourselves to be perfect all the time, for those around us to be perfect all the time, and the amount of anxiety and stress that comes with that. And, and when you step back and realize, I did this to myself. This isn't something that somebody else put on me. This isn't somebody else holding me down. I'm holding me down. I'm setting these expectations for myself that are unrealistic. And as a result, your physical health starts to suffer. And when you know that you're the one that did it, it's just this, this cycle of, um, I have anxiety and I know I'm the reason and it just churns and churns and churns and churns. And I think stepping back and getting a different perspective and hearing from other people is really the only antidote to that because you really, like so many other things in life, when it involves mental health, it, it really is about your perspective. And if your perspective is too much inward, um, it really impacts your ability to, to sort of lift out of that and come out of that. So I think for me, I'm happy to say I'm kind of, I feel like I'm on an upward swing. And a lot of that has to do with the people that I work with and interact with and just um, realizing that it's not about me. And it's also not about the expectations I put on myself. This is a team effort. There's no way that we're going to disrupt this industry one person at a time. It's got to be a group effort and realizing that and putting the team ahead rather than myself and my expectations is a big part of, of sort of coming out of that and, and being the best that I can be when I show up at work every day. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, a mantra that I constantly try to remember is what we think we find. And I think that whatever we set our thoughts to, it's pretty incredible. But if you say every single day, like I'm worthless and I'm not going to be successful and I'm going to fail at this thing, you will be worthless and not successful and probably fail at the thing. And, you know, it's, it's psychological. We have a reticular activating system in our brain that is constantly scanning. And there's so much information coming in that we can really only filter a small amount. So it's kind of the phenomenon. If you buy a Tesla, you're now going to see Teslas everywhere. If your favorite number is four, you're going to see four on the, you know, the clock every time you look at it. And so I think that what's interesting is, is being able to reframe that and just tell ourselves those positive thoughts. And even if at the beginning, it feels kind of like we're faking it till we make it, I'd rather fake it with good thoughts than fake it with bad thoughts. Cause I really do think that what we think we find and it becomes our reality. And so um, I really love that, Julie, and I love that all the perspectives thus far have really kind of spoken to mindset and perspective and honoring those in our lives and, and you know, finding ways to kind of reframe whenever we can. Um, Jack, I'd love to come back to you and just talk about um, the biggest source of strength that you've had throughout this season or if there's anything that's been particularly helpful for you. You know, um, I was actually, I was figure we're short on time because I was going to actually tack on to something that Julie just said. Um, first of all, you guys, thank you for sharing everything. It's just amazing. I didn't even, wasn't even aware of, of, of half this stuff. So thank you. But um, Julie, you know, talked about, you know, being, having the company and having friends. And I think what happens is when people go through a difficult time, they kind of, they go, they, they kind of block everybody out and they, um, you know, they don't, they're not willing to receive help, or maybe they're embarrassed, or maybe they're just not comfortable. And um, now my wife and I have had two different um, experiences here. She's having a lot tougher time than I am. And 
some of its personality, whatever. But I, I got to tell you, the one thing I did have was, um, besides, uh, we both share the same great family, but it was so great to be able to have a group of workers that I'm not going to call them workers. You guys are friends. And um, so I think by talking about it and allowing people to help you, people are desperate. They want they want to do something for you. They want to talk to you, you know, and sometimes you need to, the first step of maybe getting through a process is to just put yourself out there rather than, you know, staying in bed or staying at home is, you know, you know, just communicating and, and, and networking with the people that you, you love. And I, I gotta tell you, um, um, my, my, um, process, um, I had it easy. You know, I had not only my family, I mean, they're up in New Hampshire, but, um, I had you guys. So, um, that's really helped me a lot. Awesome. Thank you. Lori, did you have something to add? Yeah. Um, actually, you did kind of strike a, a chord because um, when I first was diagnosed, you know, we were going into fall and it looked like maybe I was just going to be having surgery. And I thought, maybe I just won't tell anybody, you know, I'll just have my surgery in the winter when we're wearing coats and sweaters and I'll come, I'll lay low and then come out in the spring and nobody will really even know I ever went through any of this. So in the beginning, I really wasn't telling people um, other than a few close friends. And then, I don't know, somewhere along the line, I just changed my mind. And um, on my birthday, I was 50 when I was diagnosed. So I had my 51st birthday and I posted on Facebook, well, 50 wasn't exactly what I thought it was going to be. And um, in my message, the re like I basically explained that the reason why I was saying that was because I had people who had had this before me who were really supportive of me and I wanted to be able to pay that forward. So because it's kind of a sensitive topic, maybe there's other people out there that, you know, they they are afraid or they're nervous or they're having their biopsy or they're having, you know, whatever, and they don't have anybody to talk to about it or whatever. So like maybe, I don't even think it was two weeks before somebody like that I went to high school with sent me a message, hey, I, I have to get called back for my mammogram, you know, and I've been able to, I've had several people um, where I've been able to pay this forward already. And I don't, and many of them, it was nothing, you know, because 80% of biopsies, breast biopsies are nothing, you know? So, um, it's, it, it's not, it not only turns back on me and helps me to be able to kind of talk it out with other people, but I'm also able to pay forward the support that I received from others. And then I think that's kind of, um, it's, it helps everyone. Absolutely, Tabitha. So this is a, a little different. It's not in the last year, but I just I just want to talk about resilience just for a second. So prior to this industry, I was a nurse for a long time. Prior to that, I worked in a foster care system for a long time. So Shawnee, my heart goes out to you because those children, they truly uh, I had the, the unfortunate job of reading their backstories. So you can imagine. So I just want to send my heart out to you and say thank you because I know how important that is. Um, and just listening to you guys, when I was in nursing, one thing I found the most was that people that had support or people that talked, they healed so much better. But the main thing is, is I want to go back about almost nine years and my granddaughter, she 
she is the angel put on earth for everyone. That's all I can say about her. But by the time she was one, she had four open heart surgeries. And to this day, when she comes to bed, she's like, Nana, do you remember that time when you sat with me when they gave me my new heart? And I'm like, yeah, I do. And she goes, I just remember that made me happy. And nine years later, she still remembers that Nana sat there next to her. I, I have no idea how, <laughs> but I just want to say I'm so glad that this company, that this group, whoever put this together, I just want to say thank you because I know that having someone in your life in a bad or a hard situation can make it so much better than doing it alone. And I have seen it firsthand. And I just want to send my heart out to all of you. And I'm so happy that all of you have, you know, you've got a lot on your shoulders and you're like, today I'm going to still choose to be happy. So I just thank you all for letting me be a part of this. This is wonderful. And congratulations to all the accomplishments you guys have all done. Absolutely. I'm done. Sorry. No, that's okay. I'm so glad you thank jumped you. in. I think it's incredible too, Lori, how you said that, you know, at one point you received maybe a, a few words that change your life. And in that moment, it feels like there's nowhere you can go from there. And in such a short amount of time, you were extending help to people that maybe were in that same. And I just think that's so beautiful because if we could tell ourselves that in that moment and know in maybe six months, a year, two years, I could be potentially helping someone through this same storm. You'd probably laugh at yourself. Like, there's no way I, I I won't get through this. But then we do inevitably. And then we can lend so much strength through our own stories, um, which I think is extremely powerful and kind of brings me to my next question, Pat. I'd love to know if there was something you could tell yourself a year ago where you are now, what you would choose to say. Um, that was probably the hardest question I had. Uh, I, I probably analyze. I don't think anything can prepare you for sometimes these kind of, especially health adversity, something you, um, you, ju I, you just can't control it. I, I think the biggest thing I probably learned throughout the whole process is it, sometimes you have to take it minute by minute. Sometimes it's hour by hour. Sometimes it's day by day. And only you know when that is. And you that's the grace you give yourself. I know one of the questions was about grace. But that's the grace you give yourself. Is sometimes it's like, okay, I just need to get through this next hour. Or I just need to get up. And today I'm going to take a shower without any help. Or whatever those little things are, is that's what gets you through it. You can't. I did a very good job at not saying, okay, six months from now, I'm going to do this or a year from now. Cause you can't, I, at least I couldn't focus on those things. It was, let's get through today. Let's talk to the doctors today. And I think when people do give you advice, cause you get advice from everybody, it's, you just thank everybody for it, whether you take it or not, that's okay. But it's, you know, I took the advice from the doctors. I knew what I could do. And I tried not to worry about the things that I couldn't control. I couldn't control what my blood counts are. I can't control, um, you know, any of the things other than eating and drinking and those and taking my walks through the hospital, which I did a thousand times. Um, that's the only thing you can really do. I mean, at least in my, that's what helped me in my case. I don't want to, 
So you have, you know, it, it's, it doesn't fit every person. I just think you find your own way, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, absolutely. And give yourself grace with what you can and can't do in the moment. And it's a little bit morbid, but I try to remind myself, even if I get everything I think I want in this exact moment, I could get hit by a bus tomorrow. And I know it's like probably kind of a weird way to think about it, but sometimes it's important to remember that we have all these needs and wants in the future and we live so frequently in the future, which is just anxiety. Like, what am I going to do tomorrow? And then the next day and then the next day. But sometimes these really formative, pivotal things that happen that appear to be very negative in the moment allow us to learn how to slow down and kind of live second by second or minute by minute sometimes, which ends up being a gift because then years from that moment, when you are trying to plan the future, you can almost laugh at, I could get a call tomorrow that changes everything. And I think sometimes being able to find that strength to just be present and know what what can I do right now um, is is remarkable and is um, something that I think we can all learn from. So thank you for sharing that. Um, Shawnee, I'd love to hear um, in what ways you've experienced or witnessed resilience through the kiddos that you've had in your home or your wife or um, your personal experiences. Okay, um, well, um, first I would like to say, Julie, thank you. You you really spoke to me with your, um, with what you had to say. Um, I'm, a, I'm the kind of person that's, let me show you what I can do. I don't, I don't just talk the talk. I wanna show you, prove it. Um, and because of that and all the stress and anxiety that I've put on myself, that's the reason that I'm struggling now to undo the damage that the stress and anxiety has done to me. Um, and it took out my voice. So I'm hoping that I can get it back in full strength someday. But uh, but yeah, I, I need to learn how to deal with stress and anxiety and work and now foster kids. Um, but uh well, I know, okay, so I know you said one way that we define resilience, um, knowing that there's going to be challenges and diversity and choosing to do it anyway. Um, my wife and I, we've been referred to as the same or opposite sides of the same coin a lot. And I've never really noticed that more so than now. Um, she's an amazing partner. She we don't break down at the same time. We kind of take turns. We each have, you know, a moment where we need to walk away and and we're supportive of each other uh, when that time comes. Uh, so, I mean, just having an awesome partner that has the same goals, going back to family and the support system and, and uh, yeah. It's all for me. It's been all about the support system. Wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, Lisa, could you tell us um, about in what ways you've learned to give yourself or those around you grace as you've navigated some of these challenges? I think um, I was actually, if y'all see me looking down, I'm like scribbling so many notes. <laughs> I'm a big note taker. Um, but I think for me, it's really, and, and hopefully you all get something out of this, but just 
positive self-talk. Like, I think it's very easy to talk negatively to yourself, especially when you're dealing with stuff. Um, so reframing my mind and and I tell my kids this, God, if they were in the room, they'd be like, oh, here she goes again. But, you know, just trying to be more um, empathetic and giving myself that grace and talking more positive thoughts to myself so I don't get caught in this inner turmoil of negativity. Um, and just having um, an attitude of gratitude. There's so much to be thankful for. Um, and in fact, I, I kind of scribbled this, you know, vulnerability is a beautiful thing. It's hard, but it's a beautiful thing. And uh, Mikhail, I think you and I maybe talked about this at one time, but um, when, when you're faced with something, um, a challenge, and I tell my kids this as well, you know, you have an opportunity to see it as a challenge or an opportunity. So Jack, everything that you and your wife went through and see now I'm gonna cry again because I've been in your shoes. I lived in Pensacola, Florida and lost everything. I've been there. And I remember being in that pit and being angry. I was mad. Why did this happen to us? And you fast forward and I look back at the opportunity that I have to help others get through that emotional turmoil. What I'm getting at is when you have a situation um, like being sick or whatever it is, you know, or, or having to do this task at work and oh, you have an opportunity to look at it as, oh, I have to do this task at work or oh, I'm so excited that I have this opportunity to do this task at work. <laughs> it's the same exact situation, but a different approach, a different mindset. So I guess what I'm getting at with the, the giving myself grace is just retraining and rewiring my brain to see the positive in whatever I could look at as a negative. Does that make sense? Yeah, it definitely does. I think it's it's almost like it takes the same amount of energy to see something positively or see something negatively, and then we choose which one we're going to do. And um, often we create patterns that, you know, I've been guilty of too, where I just choose negativity for a while. And then something finally happens where I'm like, this is me doing this. You know, I've, I've got to, I've got to change this because the same situation is going to keep happening and I'm going to keep responding the same way and we're going to keep getting the same results. So, um, I think that's a really great reminder. Uh, Julie, I'd love to hear if there's anything in particular that helps with kind of the hard days or the times that you find you're really in that funk, um, just to kind of get out of it or, um, get you through those days. So oddly enough, there was something that you read during one of our sessions that really helped me and if when I'm when I'm good about remembering it that everything has a season and don't expect every season for me I love summer my kids and I talk about this all the time I hate fall I it just to me it's the okay the days are going to get shorter it means cold weather is coming I don't like cold weather you know but we have this mindset that I, well, I'm entitled. I try to remind myself, I'm not entitled to summer all the time. There are going to be days where it just stinks. And it's, and I assume that, you know, that's another thing is don't make assumptions, right? Don't assume that a situation is a certain way or that people are thinking of you a certain way or, or you know, give, give people grace when it comes to yourself. 
um, I'm, I'm fine with giving people grace about, oh, you know, they're, I can look at the situation when it doesn't involve me and go, you know, I bet they're just having a hard day. But boy, when it when it comes to me, I'm I'm not as I assume that, oh gee, I really screwed that up. Give yourself, give give people around you grace. And remember, this is just a season and it's not forever. And I think when it comes to anything, pain management, it's something I learned earlier in life. Pain management, if you know that it's short term, you can handle a whole lot of pain. But when you don't know when the end is that's when your mind goes to, oh my gosh, it's going to be this way forever. And there's no way I'm going to be able, I will never come out of this. It's always going to be this way. Remembering that no matter what, whether it's good or bad, it won't always be this way. And it's just a season and you just got to get through because summer's just around the corner, no matter where you are. I love that so much. Another thing I say all the time, no feeling is final. And that's the happy ones and the sad ones. So I think that's a great reminder. Quinn, did you want to jump in? I just wanted to say that that was beautiful and it resonated so much with me. And um, I especially like what you said about giving yourself, you know, grace. I feel like a lot of times we're so quick to give others grace and um, but we can be pretty hard on ourselves. So I just thought that that was just really beautiful it was yeah i agree um jake i don't know if we have you i think you might be here you might yes okay well, i'm I here, see here. Did video on just in case that is something causing the problem but i'm listening in and everything's been really really just just warming just very warming to the soul so i appreciate everyone sharing. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, again, I find that it's sometimes days, months, years can go by without creating moments of connection like this. And it's pretty crazy how much of a difference it can make in just the rest of your day, you know, week, um, everything. So I appreciate you all too. Um, Jake, being somebody that is almost like adjacent to a diagnosis, I suppose, somebody that's helping be a caregiver and be somebody that's a support. Is there anything that you found to be particularly helpful for you being able to recharge or you being able to ask for help and prioritize yourself? Yeah, um, probably the hardest word for me to say, which is no. I've had to learn and it's actually two parts and you know uh this is actually something i learned in therapy so i'm not brilliant this is from my therapist um but it's the two parts of saying no first you have to assess and know when when you when when to say no to someone whether it's no to something in your personal life something you know in your professional life or even telling yourself no not so much denying yourself, but telling yourself no. But the back end of it, which I actually feel is for me the most important but most difficult portion of it, is saying no and then letting it go. Instead of saying no and then hanging on to, is that person upset? Is that person disappointed? Did I ruin that person's day? Did I completely derail what they have planned because I said no? If you have to say no for you, you are taking care of you in a way that nobody will take care of you. And it's sometimes it's visceral, sometimes it's gut, sometimes it's intuition, and sometimes it's just the ability. You just can't do everything. And 
I have literally lived my life not saying no. I've actually lived my life putting myself on hold and saying, how can I help you? What do you need? Yes, I can do this. Yes, I can do that. And I've realized that there's nothing wrong with saying no, because when you say no, you're creating that boundary that you have to have in order to accomplish all the yeses that you have said. And I never thought about it that way until my therapist said, if you said 10 yeses, if you say no once, you're able to accomplish those 10 yeses. But if you say yes, that 11th or 12th yes, you're now compromising the quality of the yeses that you did give. And what does that say to people? What message does that send when you've said yes, but you don't follow all the way through? And he says, if your reputation and if your self-dignity is something that's that important to you, you want to be able to fulfill every yes that you've given, not only to make the other person happy, but to know that you gave them all that you could. And that says so much more about whether it's your work ethic or just what kind of friend you are. Um, so you have to say no sometimes. That has really been really the hardest thing, but it has been really, really beneficial um, if, for nothing else, but just for my sanity. Um, and, and so I think that's been my biggest adversity yet kind of triumph. I'm not gonna say it's a triumph because I haven't mastered it yet, but the times that I have enacted it, it's it's really turned out to be uh, good. And it hasn't at all been as detrimental as I was afraid that it was going to be. Awesome. Thanks so much for sharing that, Jake. I think it's like if we have a 10 second, it takes, or maybe not even, takes two seconds to say no, but is it really worth that no if we punish ourselves for two days afterwards? You know, it's kind of learning to give ourselves the the trust in our answers and knowing that we're deserving of those boundaries. Um, Tabitha, I'd love for you to jump in. Yeah, I just want to say, Jake, that you, you hit my heart there. Like, so um, I also am in therapy. Um, you know, I have a, ooh, I have a whirlwind life that probably no one would believe, but it's okay. Um, I have a tendency of, I am the take care of everything. So I'm the oldest of 11 children. I have my daughter. I have, I have three grandchildren. Plus I, um, I have two additional grandchildren that watch over us. And, uh, Jake, I have to tell you that learning to say no is the only way I've survived the last year because I felt so compelled to have to take care of all my brothers and sisters and take care of my daughter because she had lost her children. And um, it, it took a heavy weight and a lot of therapy. And I finally was able to say my first no this summer. Um, I was offered to go full time with True Footage and I had another job that uh, it just paid well. And it was simply that it paid well. I was treated very, very poorly, but it paid well and I was good at it. So why not? And after six months of therapy, I actually was able to tell that job, I have to leave you. I'm sorry, it's not worth it. And I stepped away and the amount of happiness that washed over me in that moment was, you could not ever plan for that gracious feeling of relief. And I just, I want to say, I, I hope you find a lot of luck in learning to say no, because it truly makes a difference in someone's life. So congratulations to you, Jake. Thank you. I appreciate that. That's great. 
I may sound like a broken record and I may have shared this with you all, but I, I try to reframe as well with everything you say yes to means saying no to something else and everything you say no to means saying yes to something else. And sometimes just having that other side of the spectrum can be helpful where when we say no and we want to punish ourselves, we may be saying no to taking on that extra responsibility, but we're saying yes to recharging and being able to show up for the people in our lives or we're saying no to adding this to our plate, which means saying yes to getting the things done that we already agreed to get done. And so sometimes for me, having that opposing side of the coin is kind of helpful to remember. Um, I, I wanted to ask you too, Lori, so having been someone that had shared an initial kind of big diagnosis, was there anything that people around you did that was helpful? And then also when you offered that support to others, were there things that you found? Um, I don't know, we always talk about like the things to say or not to say, or that, you know, those types of things. In what ways um, was people's support the most helpful to you? Um, well, I have a, another girlfriend who had had breast cancer before and um, she lives in North Carolina and she actually came here for a week. She's an RN. And so she came here to help take care of me. Um, so that was of course amazing. Um, I mentioned how at first I wasn't really telling people and then I was, and it's like everybody has somebody, you know? So like I told a male friend and he's like, Oh, I have, I have prostate cancer. And I, or people would say, Oh, my mother had this, my sister had this, you know, and then uh, a neighbor turns out she's a radiologist. And so I, she was able to support me with some kind of like thoughts from that side of the, you know, so, um, which, so I think just, you know, the, and then I had friends drop off things before surgery, like little care packages of stuff, you know, and I had a lot of, I had meals made after my surgery. Um, and then I just, you know, there's a girlfriend who had this maybe a year before me and she has the same surgeons. And so we've been able to compare notes, you know, and I think that's very helpful, you know, so just kind of all of those things. My son came home from college for like 10 days around my surgery so that he could be here and help me out. And he put my desk together and, um, you know, so he walked the dog with me. I think all my kids did things in their own ways. Um, to sh they're all like young adults now, like 20, 20 and 24. So it's, it's kind of like neat to see I don't know, I'm kind of starting to ramble now, but so that's how it, you know, people, it helped just things that not always things they said, but just the things that they did. Um, my family, you know, it would, there was still like COVID restrictions at the hospital when I had surgery and um, I live like two minutes away, but my whole family came here thinking they'd be able to go visit me in the hospital, but then the, the visiting hours or the rules only really allowed two people so they all came here and had like a party with my husband and my son. And then like my husband and son took their turns to come and see me in the hospital, but everybody else was just here. It, it like makes me think of, I don't know, you see that in the movies or something. Everybody's like throwing a party because Lori's in surgery, you know. <laughs> I came home and there was like leftover pizza. Um, so just stuff like that. And as far as paying it forward, I, you know, I, um, I just want to, be what other people were for me, you know? So I try to reach out and I try to answer questions where I can. And if they don't let me know how the mammogram went, or if they don't let me know how the biopsy went, I try to check in and um, just that sort of thing. 
Wonderful. Thank you for sharing. Well, we're down to our last few minutes here, and I do just want all of us to take a couple deep breaths together. I know that having these types of conversations can feel overwhelming. I call it a vulnerability hangover. I don't want any of you to get off of this call and have any thoughts of like oversharing or did I say it? everyone was incredible today. And I think that as Jake said, it felt really warm. Um, I hope that you all felt something that resonated and a little bit of healing and also opens the door to connection that maybe if you're in a season of your life, you know, there are a lot of faces and people here that care and will support you through it. So if we could all just take a couple deep breaths together in through the nose, out through the mouth. I thank you all so much for being here. You are all so valued and appreciated. I hope we can do this again. Um, and all of your stories matter and are so important. And there is so much healing and connection. So thank you all for being here and for sharing. Hey, thank you. you for putting this together. Yes, yeah, that's thank exactly. you. Thank so you, appreciated. And yeah, this was, yeah, this was very real. It was very, I don't even know what the word is. <laughs> Um, it was very emotional, um, and it was a lot of healing. Yes, I don't want to cry, so never mind. <laughs> but yeah, it it was it was beautiful. Thank you. Yes, I'm so glad to hear that. Thank you all so much, and I hope you have a beautiful rest of your day and can take some new perspective with you as you finish out this week. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for sharing and Mikhail. Thanks for inviting me. Bye, everyone. Good to see you, Jack. <laughs>